Hey everybody, it's Rob, National Fire Radio, with an episode of The Gospel. This morning, I am joined by the legendary, hailing from New Hampshire, <laughs> from the city of Manchester, Lieutenant David Quick. Dave, how are you? Good, Rob. How's it going? I uh, appreciate you letting me come on and uh, talk some engine work here for a few minutes this morning. Oh man, it, it, this is, uh, we've been trying to do this for a couple of weeks. We've been going back and forth, so we're making it happen today. So uh, before we, we started, I was kind of, you know, we were, we were going back and forth about, uh, I guess we'll call it like the rebirth of the gospel. But um, for this ep for this program is that, you know, if my journey into becoming a municipal training officer uh, and, and like watching other people struggle with training in these positions and how to do company drills. We kind of before we started recording, we're talking about the fire instructor one and two program and where the strong points are, but where some of the pitfalls are. And that's really what I wanted to kind of jump in today is like, you know, with all that, like what training it is that you're passionate about and the drills that you do. And I know we talked about vertical stretches at some point. So um, like, let's, let's kind of jump in and start, start going on what you're, uh, you know, the floor is yours, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess maybe just to give the listeners a little bit of a background there from what you said before real quick is, you know, fire instructor one is needed for the company officer one certification, which most fire departments require you to have in order to get promoted. And um, that's really just delivering a CAN program until you get into fire instructor two and three. Uh, you don't learn how to develop uh, the different programs and and objectives and whatnot. So I think as a company officer, it can be challenging. You're being asked to go out and to deliver training to your folks. And uh, you've only been uh, sort of taught how to deliver a program that someone has given you. So, you know, I think the most important part as a company officer is just keeping an eye on your folks, sometimes looking around and saying, okay, what are things that we seem to be doing well on the drill ground? And sometimes, you know, what, what are things that we're not doing so well? I'm sorry, the fire ground, not the drill ground. And then delivering and coming up with programs based on that. And uh, at the end of the day, I think the most important part is finding something that you can do in sort of a shortened time frame. You know, those two, three hour programs don't seem to work. It's, you know, get in there, give them the why, give them these specific conditions where you're going to uh, do those uh, operations on the fire ground and then pack it up and let them chew on it a little bit. Maybe revisit it, you know, later on in the day and say, okay, we did that stuff. Was there anything that you think uh, we should have done differently or we could do differently or, you know, um, in the future, what do you want to do to build off of it? So uh, I thought it was good that we kind of chatted about that before we started. Yeah. And I think that I, like I wrote down practical application to the fire ground because I've, I've seen a lot of stuff in my career uh, where people are just doing like, you know, they've got a left-handed smoke shifter with a three to one mechanical system set up to, <laughs> you know, ventilate a subway car meanwhile i'm like but we're in idaho like where's the subway out here and they're like there is none but i saw this thing and it's really cool and we're gonna do it and i'm like you know and it's just the most ridiculous thing like fighting fires on aboard a you know an under a, a submersible vessel <laughs> you know like yeah <laughs> i don't have a submarine sure. guy um but yeah it's uh like the practical application and doing that why and, and giving them the why so it's that's good stuff you know yeah for sure so like what when it comes to you as a company officer and the journey that you've had, like how like what's the the let's say if the passion that's kind of driven you to make sure that you're delivering good training? Like what does that look like to you? Um, I think for me, um, 
I strive hard, obviously, to be the best I can. I know that with most of the things, I'm never going to be the best in the fire service at anything. What I'm really trying to accomplish is not failing. Um, you know, I know there's always going to be things that I can improve on uh, every fire I go to, but at the end of the day, I want to be able to get that job done. So I think my passion comes from not wanting to fail the public, not wanting to fail my guys, not wanting to um, fail the fire department as a whole. So uh, we also want to be the company that uh, looks is looked to on the fire ground to go to work. You know, we want to stand next to the chief at the command post. And when he looks around, picks us to be the ones to go in and do stuff. So I think my passion comes from all of those different components right there. And I obviously want my guys to be successful. And uh, when I'm not around or when they move on to being promoted or to a different company, they're ready to succeed wherever they go. It's almost like there's a sense of mentorship there, because if you're not, if you're not thinking about building your people up to that next level, it's like, then it's the perfect platform to really enhance and, and sharpen their edge. Oh, for sure. A hundred percent. So what's, when it comes to the, uh, the world of training, like what is the drill that you, like, is there, is there a go-to for you that you like? Is it, you know, what, what's your, what, what's your like, I don't want to say your can drill, but like, you know, what, what is your, your go-to that like David Quick is just like, heck yeah, we're gonna do this today. It's gonna be awesome. I'm excited about it. Yeah, well, first off, right, it's gonna definitely be something engine related because uh, I'm not so good at that trucky stuff. But uh, <laughs> I would say the thing that I do the most is looking at vertical stretching, um, mostly rope stretching. In my city, we have a lot of two and a half story wood frames, also called New Englanders, three story flat tops, which you uh, probably heard referred to as triple deckers, but that's a sandwich uh, here in New England. We call them three deckers. Um, the hallways are really long and tight and in the front and the back hallways do a lot of wraparound. So um, it's hard to get one hand line up uh, through those different areas, let alone trying to get two. And we know that uh, we never want to put more than two hand lines through any one doorway. So, you know, basement fire, first floor fire, you got your first line going through, maybe the backup line or second line. Well, those buildings are all balloon frame. So uh, we got to get upstairs to the top floor and start looking at the knee walls and in the cock loft. So how do we get that line up there? You know, a lot of times we will rope stretch. On top of that, uh, these are large buildings that we're in. Uh, and sometimes we go for an alarm activation. There's nothing showing from the outside. And with today's world of vent limited fires, that's going to become more of a common occurrence. So we'll go up and investigate. And if we find something, a lot of times we'll drop the rope down, uh, whether that's the bag or the end of the rope, depending on, you know, obstacles below and for speed of line deployment and for length of line deployment, we'll come up the outside into the building. So we generally focus on that. I think that although there are fire departments like mine and other places in the Northeast where that's just a regular typical stretch, we do that on a regular basis. Uh, most other fire departments in the country would consider that an alternate stretch, right? They're going to do a lot of other things first. I believe with the new building construction that's going up, these new four, five, six story buildings, type five over type one, it's going to be a more common stretch for folks in the fire service. Uh, in the past, those types of buildings were only found, you know, in uh, urban areas or the towns that directly surrounded the urban areas. And that's not the case anymore. Uh, I was down teaching at Dagom in Texas back in March, and we were doing a, a class on extended lines and vertical stretches. And down there, most of the firefighters only had, you know, one and two story buildings, maybe a few three. 
But as I drove between Houston from Joey D up to Dagom, uh, you notice real fast that these are popping up everywhere. So I think this is an opportunity for the fire service to um, start to be proactive as opposed to reactive. And as these buildings are being built and they're not occupied, we need to look at those different ways to um, go up the outside of the building. Yeah, there's a lot that you just said there as I'm scribbling notes like a madman <laughs> as a meth. But um, so, uh, the one thing that I like you, you kind of talked about how the hallway is tight and, you know, you don't want more than two lines coming through a room or through one door rather um, where like application wise, like you see it in New England and you talked about, uh, you know, your three deckers, your New Englanders. Um, and, and the fact that there's that balloon frame construction, and you kind of hit on the type five over type one, but even like, even like a three-story garden style apartment, there's mm. a good uh, application for this because that center stairwell, if you're, as long as you're not going down to your terrace level, like there's pretty much, you're limited to that, that doorway of, of entering into that garden style apartment. There's going to be, you know, it's, it's one way in one way out. And it, it always, I don't want to say always, but like, it seems to always come to that stairwell in the middle and you have your one, two, three, four, you know, your ABC apartments, mm -hmm. however they're, they're laid out. Right. So uh, like what other different, um, what other areas would we see a vertical stretch in that's just not off of like maybe a garden style where these triple deckers or three decker just said, you know, that you're seeing. Well, I think you're right on the garden style, um, especially as they continue to get bigger uh, in length. You know, they've got big open courtyards a lot of times now. They've got the nice landscaping out in front, so you can't even get the rig close enough. Uh, I would say that that's a really good application. And, and to add on to that, what we're seeing with the code is if the buildings are fully sprinkled, that when you leave your apartment door, you've got to be able to hit an exit stairwell within 200 feet, meaning that, that stairwells could be 400 feet apart. And with the different traveling that I've done, you see that just in hotels right now. So um, yeah, so the, the all of those things that we talked about are all good applications. Uh, I would say hotels, I would say mm -hmm. your Main Street USA, your um, residential over commercial, four or five story type three buildings, uh, parking garages, um, all of those are different places where you're going to be able to, uh, to hit that mid-rise office buildings. And you said something just and I, fully sprinkled buildings, stairwells, uh, escape stairwells, 200 feet. So they could be 400 feet apart. Um, I think there's a, a false sense of security sometimes in the fire service when we talk about fully sprinkled, uh, sprinkled buildings. And especially from the standpoint of maybe not us, the fire department, because I think we're always looking for a failure to happen. And that's why we're here. Ultimately, something went wrong to call initiate the call for the fire department, especially if there's a fire. But um, politicians will typically be like, hey, this is OK. Or zoning board members and planning board members will be like, hey, this is fine because it's going to be fully sprinklered. But there's a lot of buildings that I've seen. And even in Fairview, like I, you know, where I work, like we had a really I considered it a close call of a fire one day. It was mulch that burned on the outside of the building and really started to run mm. right up the side. So. Uh, and I'm thinking of those like town center projects where you have, like you said, the commercial, some people think Main Street USA, but they're building commercial occupancies with two stories above them of apartments and it's fully sprinklered, but there's mulch, there's plenty of opportunity for a fire from the exterior to extend up. So now you're dealing with some kind of fire on multiple floors 
that started from an outside rubbish fire, maybe, or a discarded cigarette, whatever it might be. So this is this is going to become more, I guess, where I'm getting at in a very roundabout way is this is going to become more prevalent in the fire service. The 200-foot cross lay or the 300 off the rear may or may not be getting us to where we need to go. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Yep. So talk to me about this vertical stretch and like how you kind of start breaking it down as far as a drill, because I think this is the thing where I'm thinking of like friends of mine who are across the country, they're going to want to start doing stuff like this. So how do they go about like, what's, let's dive into the process. Yeah, sure. So um, really, I think it's a multi-part drill. So I think when you look at a lot of the things you're trying to do, especially when you're on duty, I'll preface it with uh, with having 10 engine companies, three ladder companies, and a heavy rescue in my department. I have the good fortune of being able to put my company out of service for an hour if I want to do a drill. And I know that that's not really the case for the majority of the fire service. And uh, so I like to throw that out there. I understand the plights that people are going through, even though I'm not living it myself. So I think sometimes taking these different topics, such as vertical stretching and breaking it down into uh, multiple small chunks, allows you to um, probably get out and get that drill done without being interrupted by a call for part of the time. So I start with just like this, right? Where are we actually going to use this and go to some of those buildings and, and look on the outside as to where do we think we're gonna have to uh, do a vertical stretch versus doing a long interior stretch. There's gonna be times that although uh, vertical stretching in our minds might be faster, it will actually be easier to take that long line and go inside. And we'll talk about that in a second. So um, I'll size it up from the outside. Again, what buildings do we wanna do? Are we going to want to vertically stretch out? Which are gonna be our complex stretches? And when I start looking at that, I think although in people's minds, they think, oh yeah, up the outside and in is gonna be real easy. Um, it's not always the case. So when you're outside looking, take a look at the windows. Do the windows open or do the windows have to be broken? Because that's going to affect your operation tremendously. So if, they have, if they're open, great. What I found is in that Main Street USA or these residential buildings, they will open. There are some new six-story buildings where they only open out a little bit, not all that much. Uh, so good. If they open, that's not a problem. We can slide it open. We can control the air coming in. If I have to break them, now I have to look at a bunch of different things. Number one, breaking it. How difficult is it going to be to break? A lot of times those commercial windows in your mid-rises or over top, uh, or if they're uh, Main Street USA, just commercial five-story, they're going to be hard to break. Number two, they're generally going to be larger than your residential. So now when I go to take that window, how much time is it going to take me to take, you know, to, to take that window out and then to trim the window out? If we're bringing hose up through the window, we've got to clear the whole piece because uh, we don't want it to fall and, and uh, puncture our hose or rupture our hose, burst it. The other thing is, is if we leave pieces there, uh, if it's over top of a door where people are walking in, we don't want that glass to all of a sudden fall down on top of them which leads to as you have to break that window what's below you is the fire department connection below you uh, is it the entryway for firefighters that come in are there still people evacuating the building finally when i take that window i've now created a huge intake and have, have changed the uh, flow path or the the vent profile of that building so um, just from the outside looking at that uh, i got to take into those considerations so you can drive around and just talk about that one day, go get a cup of coffee, get you out into your district, you know, you say hi to a few people and you maybe lay that foundation to then be able to get inside for the second day. So um, the next thing I like to do is, okay, I got to go inside. Oh, sorry. It looks like yeah, maybe just, you want to jump no, in. No, yeah. I just wanted to jump in with that, with the breaking the window. And I think that um, like 
just quickly too, like you want to hit on tool selection because, mm -hmm. and I just know this from my own experience of going to a local college and having to break a window out of a three-story dormitory that was, um, I, I'll say recently constructed uh, within the last like 15 years, probably, or 20 years, right? But it was, it was that hurricane glass. Like, I mean, and I just remember being like, oh, I'm going to, like, I, I got like big smile. I'm like, I'm going to take this window. It's going to be awesome. This room's on fire. And I swung and then it was like a cartoon or like I came back because it was like, it was, and I mean, eventually like I, so then the second time I was like, all right, thank God nobody was here to see this. I broke the window, but like how that window, it was almost like a safety glass. And I, I, I sound like an idiot, but like, I remember like, meaning in close because I couldn't see through the smoke and then seeing like all these shards and like just how much like it was work to take this window and I was like thankful that I had a halogen with me because any other mm -hmm. any other tool I'm not sure and I remember some of the, my my uh fellow firefighters from engine two came up and I was like can you try to take that window out and then like the glass that got sharded how it how this particular glass broke um the shards went right through my gloves and I, I like I lost a pair of, of, of gloves as a result of this. Plus, it exploded out into the hose bed. Like I mean, so you're you're hitting on all these mistakes that I made with this with this simple simple fire. But yeah, for so. sure. Yeah, there's a lot to it. So um, so Great now you know uh, the next the next drill. Right, go get another cup of coffee and uh, the next day and, and head inside. Right, try to get into these buildings. Uh, take a look at what's my access going to be to get to the area where I want to come in from the outside. You got to size up the door. You know, do you have knocks boxes on the building? If so, do they work? You know, do I have a, a master key that's going to let me get into where I want to get into? Um, usually, uh, my residential, your residential doors are going to be a little bit easier in those garden style apartments to get through than you're going to have in commercial buildings. Those commercial doors are generally more fortified. So, They've, uh, they've, I've got pictures of ones in Manchester where they're full top to bottom glass. It's not one you're going to go up and start prying on to do, you know, regular conventional forcible entry because you're probably going to shatter everything that's right there. Um, they've got extra deadbolts. They've got um, security keypads. They've got magnetic locks. You know, some of the buildings that we have house this FBI and CIA in my, in my uh, first due. So trying to get into those are going to be difficult. So you've got to look at what is the access to get to where I want to, how close, um, you know, how close to the front of the building is the door to get in. And once I get into that access and into that apartment or into that business, is there a secondary room in there that I have to force into to try to get to the windows? Um, I think the other component while you're in there to look at as well is, well, what is the staircase configuration? Because maybe now that I'm inside the building, I realize that, I've got this distance to get to the front of the building. I'm going to have a hard time getting into the occupancy where I want to bring the hose in through the outside. You know what? I didn't realize these stairwells had a door that exited out right to the street, right? So I'm going to start to compare now and see, well, as much as I thought it was going to be faster and easier to vertically stretch, it's not. I'm going to come in through the inside because I think ultimately I'll be more successful. Yeah. Um... Good Lord, you got so much stuff there. That's um, <laughs> um, the I, I'll say this, Dave, that you've got me a little confused. You you talk about doing engine company work, but man, like the amount of forceful entry and windows that you're taking, are you sure you're not like trying to root for the truck here? 
Well, I like to say, and I got a buddy, uh, Steve Barton, that works in Manchester, and he does a lot of truck teaching. He does a lot of stuff with Aaron Heller and on and on scene training, and uh, you know, me doing the engine world. And I think the third slide in my water application thing is what's the uh, purpose of the initial hand line? It's to support the search. And uh, when you talk to him and he delivers his truck program, he says, "What are you doing as a truck? You're trying to help the engine locate and confine the fire so they can put it out so we can do our job." So uh, I'm not naive to the fact that although you know I like to bust their chops, I do actually need them on the fire ground. Yeah, hundred percent. So all right, so we got our size up that second day. You know, kind of going out, getting into the buildings, doing that. Um, like, what door do we have to go through first? Knox box supers, whatever your, your, your key system is that you have. Um, and then sizing up your doors and then also sizing up into the building. What's after that front door. And you talk about the stairwells. Um, and I think it's also important too. I think a lot of people, especially if this isn't normal for their first due, um, you'll have like a business, you know, maybe an office building, but there could be a, another door that's just straight stairs right up to the, uh, to the living quarters. So all these things have to be kind of dived into on on the size up and that's that's this is actually a very easy objective to do especially when on shift so what's next so then um i like to break everything down into no more than three options or three components or three objectives for anything that i'm doing in the engine world um right that comes from klein and his sources of power book you hear jay bonifield and aaron field talk about it a lot so when I get inside, I'm trying to find three different options uh, to stretch on the interior. So um, if I decide that the vertical stretch isn't gonna be my best option, um, what are my ways that I can stretch on the inside? So I've broken it down into either direct stretch up the stairwell, I'm wrapping that hose you know, around, I'm laying it on the ground. Uh, second is, is if it's there, it's standpipe. And a third would be a well stretch. So just uh, looking at these different components, if you wanted to now uh, do a company drill, you could say, all right, well, in the future, I know that these are three different options that I have. Not every building is going to have each one of those three, but now I know that within my town or city, and I'm guessing even where you are, Rob, one of those options would fit a bunch of different buildings in your, in your town. So go out and you're gonna drill on that. Okay, one day we're just gonna go do long stretching. I can sacrifice one one hose bed, and if I get a call during that, uh, you know what? I'll jump it on the ground. I'll come back and get it. No big deal. Um, I'm going to bring my standpipe packs into the building. I'm going to dry stretch, look at a clean, you know, a clean hallway, dirty hallway, things like that. Or, um, oh, I got a well. No problem. We just did this when I was on duty last week. We just brought spare hose. I made a shoulder bundle. We brought the length that's going to stay uh, in the lobby that we're going to use to go up. And then we went and stretched. If something happened, we rolled the hose up or just left it in the building and came back to it. So I've got that laid out uh, right there. So I'm looking just at the interior portion to begin with. And I want to just kind of point out there to everybody, uh, you know, or maybe not to say this, uh, like what I'm as you're talking about this and I'm trying to think of like some jurisdictions very easy to go into a building very willing to work others maybe not so much but like a good safe place to do this in a practical sense is a parking garage if you have access to a parking garage because most parking garages will have stairs so you can hit uh either directly going up them there's typically a standpipe so just don't maybe charge it because you don't want to own that system if, you, if something happens uh, unless i give you permission or the well stretch like all this can happen where you're kind of out of the way, you're not ruining the finishes on like a nice college, uh, you know, classroom building or, you know, 
disturbing in the hospital or something, you know, something like just, you know, or a hotel or whatever where people are trying to, to rest. So this is just throwing it out there. All right. So you got your, your three different options inside. So now what's after that? Yeah. So just real quick, what I found is uh, the one place that we do a lot of drilling is in the public housing buildings. So if you have public housing, uh, the town or city generally is, you know, affiliated with the fire department in some way, shape or form within the municipal structure. So, uh, you know, we do a lot of stuff there and that's nice because you can just kind of walk in there. You let them know that you're there from the fire department. You're all from the same agency, not a big deal. Uh, to your points with the hotels. Yes. If we keep it down, I've found personally that hotels are very, very, very open to allowing you in there. So as long as you don't, you know, you remind your folks not to be super loud and obnoxious, you know, when we're in the stairwells, we can talk and then we go out and do stuff. So, um, so yeah, so now after I've looked at the inside and we've determined, okay, inside stretches just really aren't going to work. Now we need to, um, you know, take a look on the outside. And uh, I have eight different ways that I could do a exterior stretch on my job. And what I say is this, I'm going to, I'll lay out what those different ways are. Sometimes I forget off the top of my head here, but um, I, I recommend to folks pick the three that are going to work for you in the way that you operate. Right. So um, that way, when you get there, your folks can very quickly look and go, okay, we know from looking into this building, we're going to have to go up the outside. What are my options to do that? Dave said, there's three. Now we're all on the same page. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. My senior man, I think I've said this on every podcast, likes to talk about tools in the toolbox. And we both think that that is uh, the worst thing that the fire service can do or have. Giving someone way too many options is going to give them, you know, decision making paralysis. So give them the objective, give them the where they're going to use it, give them the couple things to choose from based on what they see. And it's going to help make you successful. So uh, the very first one to me is the rope. We carry a rope bag all the time in my city. My nozzleman who sits behind me, uh, one of their things to bring is the rope. So uh, there's different ways, and I can't get into them here, but there's different ways to stretch, uh, to rope stretch. The one that drives me the most crazy is when we just hook the bale or the nozzle and we pull the hose up. I think there's many more efficient ways with each different type of hose load to do that. So um, breaking down how it's going to work for you to get some hose into the building other than just the nozzle is going to be important there. Uh, With that being said, too, it's a good opportunity to go through. Do I lower the rope or do I throw the rope bag? Uh, In my opinion, the best way to do it is to lower the rope. So if you do have someone and although uh, it's not the most efficient way, if you give them the end of the rope, they'll be able to tie a knot around the bale and send it up. If you don't have a carabiner, if you send down the middle of the rope, good luck. Most firefighters are not very good with tying a knot from the middle of the rope. With that being, and now as I pull the rope up, the only rope that I'm going to have at my feet is the length that it went down to the bottom. You know, when I tie the middle, now I've got the other parts of the rope coming up in there with me. It's going to get tangled up. The bag's on the ground. Now, with that being said, there's going to be times where you can't lower the end of the rope because you have obstructions and you need to be able to get away from those obstructions, whether that's a small little rain roof or a porch or um, cars or uh, the mulch and the bushes that you were talking about in the fire that you had. So sometimes I need to throw the bag in order to get the rope away from the building. So going through with them, the options of doing that, you know, on that rope bag, we have um, a piece of webbing and a carabiner attached because once the uh, nozzle and the hose get up into the building, I need to secure that upstairs. Not every firefighter carries ropes in a, or I'm sorry, webbing in a beaner in their pockets. So 
Uh, we've even developed a way to secure that hose without having to find a substantial object. And um, for folks that are on Instagram, we made a post about that uh, last year at the Hose Nerd. You can go back and take a look. It's using a halligan and just a piece of webbing. So, um, so rope is number one. The second way uh, would be, uh, which is very common in the fire service, is I take the bundle upstairs and I drop the coupling. So uh, real easy to do. One of the disadvantages to that is, is if I only carry a hundred foot bundle and I drop the coupling down, how much hose is it gonna take me to get down to where it's gonna connect to the piece that's on the ground? And more importantly, um, how much hose does that leave me in, uh, you know, in the building to use, how close am I going to have to get to that fire? So I think that that's one of those missing components that uh, folks don't always think about. To tie into that, what a lot of folks will do is they'll carry a roll of hose, a 50 foot roll with the bundle. So this is option number three, where you roll the hose backwards. So now I've got the male end hanging out and I've got the female end uh, that's going to be down on the ground. So now I've carried that 50 foot bunt or a roll up there to be my outside length, which has now allowed me to still have the full 100 foot working bundle upstairs with me. Um, another one would be just throwing a ground ladder and going up through the window, right? Maybe I do a BES and uh, once I, I clear everything I need to, I've got fire on that second floor. Uh, someone, maybe my chauffeur has thought ahead. They know that we're going to need a line for extension upstairs and they bring that line right to the base of the ladder and it's ready to go inside. This is great stuff. Um, I'm going to kill you with your notes though. Cause you said eight things. <laughs> I just wrote, went through eight and now I'm trying to cram everything in here. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm keeping a little check mark here. Cause I always yeah. forget I get into this and then I go, did I already talk about that? Um, so the next one would be, uh, an exterior stairwell or a fire escape. Not every fire department has, uh, has fire escapes, right? Older cities in the Northeast are going to have fire escapes, but, um, a lot of other areas won't, but a lot of people do have outside stairs and they don't think about that. A lot of times, like we have some old school mills in my city and they're five stories. And if you tried to go in the middle and then, you know, through the main doorway or even one of sort of the end interior doors, you would have a hard time getting to where you needed to go to. But they've got a full top to bottom exterior staircase. That's a second means of egress. I can access. Yes, it'll be a long stretch, um, you know, down that 400 feet if I had to. But the, the nice part is, is I don't have to worry about coming in necessarily from the floor below uh and stretching up around things i could easily come up with one of these other techniques and just go um through that doorway if i get jammed up and i have to follow the line back out it brings me right outside it's almost like going through the front door i'm gonna pull up my notes here because i know i'm gonna screw this up and um i don't want to yeah, and the internet's here, so they're going to tell you how you screwed up if you do. Of course they will. You only said seven, not eight. Okay. Um, oh, good. We're doing pretty good so far. So uh, another way would be uh, a lot of folks want to do like a, a vertical standpipe, which I think is good, um, which I guess would be maybe like a half exterior stretch. 
you have that ability to drop that two and a half inch down and then extend a different bundle off of it. Uh, is there, so when you're doing these exterior stretches or vertical stretches, is there an advantage to switch? I mean, like I, I mean, I, I don't want like, I know the answer is like, Hey, you get a lower friction loss on two and a half than you do on inch and three quarter. Um, but you've got to factor that in and, and then certainly you would be the one to talk about flow testing to make sure that you're going to get what you need at the end of the nozzle. But is that like, do you, do you find it's easier to switch or to stay with your inch? Like if you run an inch and three quarter into this building, is it easier to stay with inch and three quarter? Or if you have that longer length, do you like do the first 200 feet of a larger diameter to lower the friction loss or, or like what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you I know, feel like old... I just invited you to go right into the weeds. So, no. you know what's good? I'm getting better about this. Even guys at work, and, and they'll tell me, see, I know what the whole topic is here, and I can't go off track. So they'll say to me, Dave, okay, I got a pump question. Now, I don't want the Dave question or answer. I just need, like, you know, the trucky answer. I'm like, all right, I got you there. So essentially, back in the day, just with hose construction and the way uh, the internal diameters when you charged it, the old school rule of thumb was you couldn't go any further than 300 feet. Um, without having to fill it out with a larger diameter hose. Part of that was, you know, the construction. And part of it was the fact that, excuse me, we were using 100 PSI nozzles. So when you added the friction loss with the nozzle, you were really pushing the upper limits of the 250 PSI rating of the fire pump. So now with folks dropping from 100 PSI nozzle down to 50, and the fact that we have different hose construction, an inch and three quarter hose that isn't for the most part truly inch and three quarter hose, you're easy, you can easily go four to 600 feet now um, and still flow 150, 160, up to 185 gallons per minute on those longer stretches without having to fill it out, which is nice because it gives you a cleaner hose bed and a smaller diameter for folks to move, especially in today's world of um, limited staffing fire departments. Hmm. All right. So where what what's uh so what's next? Or have we okay? No, we got another one here. So um, we've done this before in my city too. Uh, sometimes folks will forget to bring the rope bag. It is what it is. Things happen. Um, if you're close enough, take your hook. Hopefully the truckies are close to you. You got a hook. Just put the hook over the end and hook the bale. Again, I don't love just having to pull the nozzle up, but you can use a tool. Um, if you've got something there. So if it's in a pinch, you can use a tool to stretch up the outside. All right, so I've got rope, bundle, the 50-foot roll, the ground ladder through the window, exterior stairwell or fire escape, vertical standpipe, hook the bale with a pike pole or a New York roof hook or some kind of hook. And then what, what are we on eight or do yep, we? Yeah, that's what okay. I got. Yeah, we got one more. So uh, I will say this, this is number eight on my list of all of the things. So it is the flying standpipe or the aerial standpipe. So um, we hear a lot of folks that say, well, if I have to go to one of these upper floors and I need to stretch, I'm just gonna connect onto the bucket of my aerial or I'm going to attach to um, the end of the waterway on my straight stick. And um, personally, I think that that's a very, very, very involved operation that the majority of the fire service isn't prepared for. It sounds great in theory, 
and it sounds really good and fast until you actually go out and do it. So here's a couple of the, the big takeaways. Number one, um, especially if you've got a straight stick, you've got to be able to bring all the hose up there with you, up the ladder and carry it that you need. Once I get up there, your aerial pipes are piped with um, three inch threads. So I have to have an adapter up there. Some fire departments do if they're using stack tips, if you're using a combination tip, a lot of times that doesn't happen. If you're on the bucket, no big deal. You're gonna be able to, you know, most fire departments have a two and a half with a reducer on it. You can take that reducer right off and attach. So, um, you know, it's how do I get the equipment up there and the time and the energy that it's going to take. Number two, now I gotta look at the hydraulics of it. I've got this big, huge open waterway that's like a standpipe, which means that I need to have someone up there with some kind of gate valve or control valve. So if it's a straight stick, um, am I going to have an extra piece of hose that I come off of the um, off of where the nozzles attach into the building? And then I'm going to put a gate valve and a gauge like I would off of the standpipe. Or if I don't have the hose for that, am I going to have to have someone committed to the tip of the ladder that's working on um, that's working on that operation and making sure that they're getting the right pressure at the end of the line. In Manchester, we don't have uh, pumps on our aerial. So I'm going to need someone to pump the aerial device as well. So I'm going to have to commit another piece of apparatus and manpower to do that. Um, so I've got the hydraulic component of it. Uh, our friend Larry DiCamillo, who does a lot of uh, truck company operations, also brought up another good point to me when we talked about this down in Texas. Uh, once I commit that aerial device to running hose off of it, it has to stay where it's at. I've now lost the ability to use it as an aerial. So if I need to get to the roof, if I need to use it for rescue down the line, um, I don't have that option anymore. So I think that although it's a really great in theory, if you haven't gone out and practiced it, made sure that you've had all of those, uh, you have all those appliances and adapters and know how you're going to do that operation, uh, I think folks quickly find out that it's not the best on the list once you get into it. Yeah. No, it's always been a like reinforcement over the years of losing the aerial device to that operation. So once you commit, and this is, I mean, I, and I wrote down in my notes, like this is a plan C, D or F because this should not be, well, I don't want to say it shouldn't, but like probably not the best choice for your initial, if you can help it. Yep, for sure. You know, the one thing I will say is this though, when you're looking at vertical stretches, one of the places that we really think that we're going to do it the most is going to be in parking garages. Most parking garages have manual dry standpipe systems. Uh, some in our city have automatic dry systems, so they're still filled with pressurized air. We're just fortunate enough that once we bleed all the air out, there's a automatic water supply and pressure from the city. Um, part of the problem is this, that piping in the building is so large uh, to get the air out of it and to get the water filled throughout really takes a long time. And with the size that parking garages are becoming, uh, you'll see that trying to come up from those standpipes, you have some really long stretches. Uh, so we think that that's one place where we're going to vertically stretch. And the one thing I'll say, if you do vertically stretch wherever it is, you need to make sure that a ground ladder or an aerial ladder is there for escape. Because a lot of times the conditions allow you to come into the building on the fire floor or at the level of the um, car fire in the parking garage. 
So um, I get it. Like that could be sacrilege in some places and some, I might get blown up for saying that, but we don't always come in on the floor below. There can be other fire doors and other components that allow us to come in there. If for some reason we get chased out, remember we're only going as far as where that line has entered the building. So if that's through a window, you gotta make sure you put a ladder there for firefighter safety. So to tie it into Rick, if you're the Rick company and you're throwing ground ladders, yes, throw them for exits all around the, the building where you think firefighters are gonna get jammed up. But then before you you know go back and stage at the front of the building, if the line's going through the window, make sure a ladder's put there. Yeah. All right, I need to take a deep breath here because of this uh, whole full page of notes. All right, so we've we go with our eight different ways. Now we select which of the three are going to be our go-to options because it's not right. going to be a toolbox. It's going to be tools that we use, and then we just start start hitting the street on that psychomotor skill and practice this out. What what what's our next? Part, is that is that our next is that our next step into the exactly so then you could just pick these off one at a time some of them will be really easy to do you know on the same day some of them kind of go together you know a uh, an exterior stair stretch is really not a whole lot different than an interior stair stretch um, you know so yeah so you go to that parking garage like you're talking about and you bring the bundle and you bring the roll and you roll that out and say, okay, is this going to work for me? Or you look at it and go, oh, you know what? Most of the places that we're going to do this, I can get there with, you know, when I come through the window, I'm there within 70 feet. No big deal. I'm just going to coupling drop. So yeah, you pick the ones that are going to work for you. So I would say for me in my environment, in my engine company, we have rope, we have uh, lowering the coupling and over a ladder. Those are the three that we're planning to use most of the time. You know, if uh, if the opportunity presents itself, the audible is probably going to be the exterior stairwell. But I don't see us really doing a hook tool unless it's a, you know, hooking with a tool unless it's a last minute thing. Our fire escapes are so old and so not maintained. I don't want guys on it. We're not going to do the aerial and, you know, we're, we don't we're not set up to bring a roll in a bundle. So that's how we've decided to lay it out. Yeah, you just go through and you do all those different things. I. I don't want to say I'm speechless, but like this is all there's just like I said, my head's going through just so much of the stuff because this is not something that I've really ever practiced myself. Uh, you know, we've just always haphazardly done it. Like, and I, I think one of the things you and I talked about when we first discussed this was uh, going to a fire and doing a vertical stretch and then having a line charge and like all of us jumping on top of it. Um, like it was a fumbled football because it started to move because of the weight of the line, uh, you know, and it's just, it was like an experience of us doing this operation as that hose filled with water, it started to fall out the window. And then, I mean, obviously getting the water weight and, and pushing it up. Like, so like even that, that small tidbit of information and not having practice tying it off because at this point we were at, you know, plan, look, we were back to double a double B double C cause we had gone to the alphabet, but like, you know, it's just, it was, it was, uh, that the minutia of that is is really where it comes in, and that's the experience of of doing it. Is hopefully you get to well, hopefully you do it right, and you don't learn from my mistakes. But so yeah, so I think you know to add on. So we've gone through all of those different ways now, right? The eight ways. So now you could go out and you want to incorporate ground ladder training. Great, go do some truck stuff. So now you can talk about the forcible entry component of how you get through a door on the inside. You can talk about how to throw the ladder and 
and what angle you want it to be at for rescue to facilitate somebody coming out with that hose line. You can have another drill on just securing the hose, right? Securing the hose in a building is going to be different than it's going to be uh, in a parking garage. You know, to your point with jumping on it like a football, remember it's sort of the, believe it or not, the lighter the hose is, um, and then the less you have inside the building that you charge, um, the greater the chances it's going to slide back and out of the building. You know, a two and a half inch, although it has more water weight in it, there's also a good balance in that water weight inside and out. So two and a half inside is going to not slide back out as much as the inch and three quarter. But remember, if you only bring 25 feet of hose into the building with you, because whatever you're opening up, you had a small fire in a kitchen, you're bringing it up for extension, uh, you bring it up into that slider and you only bring a little bit of hose in there with you. Well, where's all the, and you're four stories up, you've got all that other water weight that's going to want to drag that back down versus if I'm on the third floor and I bring a hundred feet in with me, securing the hose isn't going to be as much of an issue because I've got a hundred feet of charge line inside mm -hmm. and only 30 feet of charge line outside. Any, um, any tips or tricks that you just have from your experience to make this more successful for the company as far as things that you've seen as you've practiced this and done it in real life and application that maybe people won't just won't have, you know, in, in their wheelhouse, like because of like experience as a teacher. Um, no, it's a good question. I think the stuff that we talked about is probably from all of those things that we didn't know or we didn't consider in the past. So maybe what we talked about today is exactly that all the things we didn't know um, we know today uh, that what we talked about. I don't know if that makes sense. I'm rambling, but no, no, I'm I'm tracking you. I don't know if anybody else is, but you know, I guess the experience, the the, the way that we laid it out today is all based on experiences and all the things that we didn't quite get right, and that we learned. Oh, that's not going to work. Oh, how do we do this? Uh, so I think I already talked about it. How's that? Yeah, no, that's right. So we'll. I just want to recap. You know, we. we we kind of started this off on, on talking about that delivery of of training and, and really what we've laid out today is this idea of the vertical stretch, how to deliver this, starting it off as like a cognitive thing of talking about it, going out for that cup of coffee, looking at the buildings, doing the size up of your own first due and maybe even like companies, you know, areas that you're second due in or your mutual aid. Um, and then following that up with getting out of the rig and just doing a walkthrough essentially seeing where you're going to have the access, looking at the the points of entry, what the door types are, even though you're an engine guy and you're the hose nerd, you certainly dove into a lot of forcible entry and truck work. Like what, if you're going to do that vertical stretch, is the window open? What's the windows makeup? Is it hurricane glass? Is it going to require a lot of heft and effort to take that window and clear it? And then just kind of going in from then to that whole, um, the three different options. So you want three options, three components or three objectives. So if you're going inside the building, direct up the stairs, a standpipe or a well stretch, but then running back to the eight choices and then out of those eight choices, picking three that work for your first due, which is highly important for everybody to understand as you're listening into this, because this is the part where you get to kind of experiment and see what does work best. Don't just take it off the internet and be like, hey, I saw this picture, let's copy it, go out and try that and then kind of build your your platform from there those are your options to fight with so that's a good summary or no 
Yeah, perfect. And then follow it up with, you know, how am I going to secure the hose once it's on the inside and making sure that I get that, you know, ladder somehow to where the hose is going in. So if somebody gets jammed up and they follow the line out, they're not waiting for you to bring one over to them. Dave, do you have, here's a big ask for you. Do you have lesson plans for any of this stuff? No. It's okay. Which I got to get back. So I'm writing an article right now. Um, it's probably, I'll say half done. I've got the whole backstory, the interior done, and I just started working on rope stretching and a couple other things. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to take all this information that we talked about in the last, you know, 50 minutes and um, condense it into an article that's not a two-parter. And um, obviously, I've got actually, you know what, I do kind of have a half lesson plan. So I take that back from what we taught in Dagon, but um, trying to turn it into a class as well, uh, trying to figure out how to make it into like an hour and a half lecture, or um, maybe a four, I don't know, a four hour lecture, I, I want it to go someplace for sure. So um, I do have a little bit of an outline. So if someone's looking for stuff, I'm more than happy to share that. Um, I do have more okay. specifically a lesson plan on rope stretching and different ways to do it. The only thing I'll say is the ways that I talk about on the inside, I don't have pictures yet for it. So I need to kind of, kind of work on that. But yeah, there's, there's some different uh, resources I could probably share. Well, Dave, we've been going for, like you said, almost 50 minutes. Uh, is there anything you want to add before we wrap up? Cause I wanted to, you know, we try to keep this down to, I say 45 minutes. I've even tried to say a half hour, but I know that with the guests that I have on how we talk, like it's just not going to happen, <laughs> but anything you want to wrap up with any events coming up, anything like you need to plug or um events coming up yeah there's still time to register for joey d in november we're going to be down there i'm going to be working with uh phil leto and jerry erbst from elkhart we're going to be doing a brass tacks harder facts know your flow know your hose um attack package design kind of hands-on program uh i can't tout that uh that not that program i can't tout that conference enough and what they're doing all the proceeds yeah. go back to buying firefighters you know, life safety harnesses for bailing out and uh, Chief D and that foundation, Kevin used their top notch, man, and uh, support them any way that you can. Um, other than that, I don't know. I'm going to ski here coming up with fire service wise, hopefully just releasing some more content, working on some classes and uh, I don't know, see where things bring me. Awesome. Well, Dave, thank you for joining me today on the Gospel of National Fair Radio to talk about the vertical stretch. This has been fantastic. Thank you for taking the time. Everybody, this is Rob, National Fire Radio with the Gospel. David Quick, the Hose Nerd, where you can find... Oh, yeah, where can everybody find you? Oh, yeah, you can uh, hit me up on the Hose Nerd uh, on Instagram. I'm on Facebook, David Quick. And uh, feel free to reach out to me via phone, 603-264-3887. You know, everyone's, I think, that's in our boat, Rob, has helped us get to where we're at. And without them... Uh, we wouldn't be where we are, so I like to try to pay that forward. So if there's something you think I can do to help you out, hit me up, and we'll get you what you need. Dave, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Stick around after we stop the recording so I can follow up with everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Be safe out there. Get out there and practice this vertical stretch. We're going to attach some uh, outlines and lesson plans to this eventually, and we'll talk to you then. Thank you. Have a good day.